Hello and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, we are talking about something I think is very relevant at the end of January, the end at the the new year always starts with promise. Mm. January 1 is probably the most optimistic day on the calendar. Yeah. You're thinking, I'm going to lose the weight. I'm going to gain the muscle. I'm going to get that job. I'm going to get that promotion. Mm. Clean that house. I'm going to clean that, <laughs> I'm gonna clean that house. <laughs> Start with the room. Yeah. I've never thought, just so you know, the thought has never entered my head one time I'm in sure my somebody, life. I'm sure somebody. 46 years, I've never thought to myself, clean that house. Well, I'm sure somebody has, though. Somebody has. I'm right. sure your yeah. wife has thought Every that. Every day. That's Thank her, God yeah. your wife has yeah. thought yeah. that. <laughs> no, she's the kind of person who wants to wake up on January 1 with the house already clean. That's true. Candy does, too. So you, you, do you have a wife that she wants to clean the house before you go on vacation so that when she comes home, the entire house is clean? Absolutely. We can't leave till the house is clean. I'm, candy's like that, too. <laughs> I do have that. Okay. I do have that one. Um, so the topic is don't give up on discipleship. Ooh. And I think it's a great topic because at one point or another, no matter how much you are focused in on and passionate about disciple making, you've been either tempted or you have, in fact, given up Mm. individually. And then as a church ministry, this is what we've seen. I want to start off just by talking a little bit about the churches that we've worked with, including the churches we've served in. Mm. And so we've worked with we have something called the Replicate Equipping Cohort. And in the course of several years now, we've had hundreds of pastors representing hundreds of churches in various roles from senior pastor to executive pastor to minister of education student pastor um, we've had women's ministry leaders we've had men's ministry leaders we've had just about every staff position uh, come on this cohort and basically what we do is we just kind of walk alongside them them and help them implement a disciple making strategy yeah. and over the years as you could probably imagine or guess some of these folks have implemented well and some of them have given up on the process. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that they would say, we've given up. But for whatever reason, they've moved on from the process. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the challenges we've seen in it, as we've observed it in the churches that have kind of moved on, is they have seen it al- almost as a set it and forget it. Mm. I got this new process. I'm going to throw the pathway out to my church. I'm going to talk about discipleship groups. And I'm going to sit back and wait while we begin to make disciples. Yeah. Let me ask you this. What strategy has ever worked like that? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, just thinking what you're saying, there are three barriers right. that uh, or three, uh, three things that will cause you to quit. Let's put it that way. Okay. Number one is the people in your organization, the mm. people in your church, or the people in your group. We'll come back to that. Mm. Number two is the process you have in your church. Yeah. I've alliterated these in my mind. I like this. And, the, and this is off the cuff. People. I had no, I had this not, I didn't have this we plan. We never prepare. That's the beauty. I didn't of have any stuff. of this plan, but it's actually sh- <laughs> flowing nicely. So the process or the people, people the process, process or the pastor. Ooh, wow. Let's start with the pastor. Let's start with the pastor. Okay, the pastor. <laughs> what do I mean the pastor? What would cause a discipleship ministry to derail after it starts so promising? I can give you some input on the pastor. Okay, tell us like about tell us about the pastor let's, derailing let's, the ministry. Uh, let's think of a, of some guys that have been in our cohort. Okay, 
who have said these words to us before. Yeah. Man, this is great. I love it. I think this is going to be awesome. I know it's going to take some years. It's not a crock pot recipe. You don't just throw the stuff in there, turn it on, and come microwave. back Microwave. Not a microwave. I mean, a microwave recipe. <laughs> it is a crock pot. <laughs> it is a crock pot recipe. My bad. Yeah. Um, it's not a microwave recipe. But I'm going to go back to my pastor, and my pastor is going to say, man, let's launch it now. And in six months, my pastor is going to come back to me and say, where's the, where's the results? Where are the results? Yeah. And, uh, and what we have to say to that, that leader is the same thing that we would say to ourselves. It's the same thing we would say to that pastor. We're talking about that key leader is this is a long-term process. It yeah. is a crockpot recipe. It is a long wait because what you have to do is invest the time and the resources and the leadership. And it takes time for the word to work in our lives. Yeah. And it's not something that we can say. And we've had pastors do this all the time. How do I make this whole thing work in three months? How can I do a, a kickstart and, and, do, mm. and, and just get ahead of the curve and do it in six months? Yeah. And, uh, and so one of the things that's, that's funny is we actually have something called the, the uh, discipleship or disciple-making jumpstart. But our process with the jumpstart is to get you started on the process, right. not to make the process happen in, in 90 days. Yeah. It's how do you begin well in 90 days, not how you make the whole thing go in 90 yeah, days. Yeah, so if you're, if you're a pastor and you're thinking already, um, when can I see results? How yeah. fast before people replicate? Mm. Uh, give me a give me a goal of how many groups we can shoot for. Yeah. If you're asking any of those questions, those are the wrong questions, and you're setting yourself up for failure. Right. The thing we're the thing we're dealing with with senior pastors is historically for years and years and years, discipleship has not been on the radar mm-hmm. of their ministry. In fact, I would even go back 20 years ago when most pastors you're, you're serving with were in seminary. Nobody taught them or encouraged them to make disciples. Yeah. They were challenged to make converts, hmm. to make Christians, to make decisions. And I would say the goal of success in the ministry yeah. for the 90s and early 2000s has always been what? To be a certain kind of church. Mega church. A mega church. Okay. Yes. How do I become? And they, they may not articulate it that way. How do I become a mega church? They may not say it publicly, but I right. promise you, they're definitely internally. In right. They are feeling the pressure. If you're a pastor, you are feeling the pressure to grow a church. And yeah. sadly, uh, one of the reasons we created the marks of a disciple mm-hmm. uh, is I realized that we were using business metrics to gauge biblical maturity. Right. And so that doesn't work in the church. So the pastor's the first obstacle yeah. or, or, the first, uh, or the first thing that will derail a discipleship yeah, and what's, ministry. What's exciting about hopping on Twitter and saying, invested in these four guys again this week. Yeah, right. Versus yeah. 200 baptisms. Yeah. Well, that's 75 good. decisions this Sunday. Yeah, and that's a great picture to put. You know, you could. Yeah. <laughs> Four guys, one hour. The thing about the <laughs> baptism, I don't want to get off on this, but I've always thought about <laughs> baptism numbers, churches uh-huh. that have high baptism numbers. And I've yes. just learned from, you know, we've had the privilege of working with many churches. What we've realized is churches that have high baptism numbers, mm-hmm. you really have to contextualize the numbers. Why? Because some of the people being baptized, if you go back and look, are rebaptisms. And one of the things we try to do at Long Hollow is I almost try to dissuade people who have already been baptized to be baptized again. So for example, this week I was out uh, at a local business in town. I was talking to the lady who runs the business and she started coming to Long Hollow. She was all excited. She came from another church, which was more of a kind of a charismatic church. And she came and she said, I'm so excited. I, I really sense the presence of the Lord at church. I love the preaching. I love the music. I think I need to be rebaptized. I just want to start fresh again. Yeah. I just want a fresh start. 
And I said, I don't think you need to be. Have you have you already been? Yeah. Did you do it after you were a believer? Yeah. Well, I don't think you need to be rebound. Committing your life again to Christ, particularly even in January, does not require a rebaptism. Yeah. yeah, I would love for for some of these larger churches, and again, there's no one I'm thinking of individually. Like I don't have anyone on my mind, but I've served in churches, and I've talked with leaders at churches, and I, and having served in student ministry for a long time, it's just a fact. There are kids who will make decisions as a kid. They'll get baptized as a kid. They'll go through middle school ministry. They'll make a decision in middle school ministry. They'll get baptized in middle school ministry. I would love to go back through those baptism numbers and, and find those duplicate names. Wow. I, and, 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 and theologically, let me just say this. If someone has not made a decision and was baptized, then mm-hmm. that, bapti- that baptism is essentially irrelevant in the sense that it doesn't represent new life in Christ. Yeah. So I would definitely encourage someone who makes a decision for Christ for the first time to be baptized regardless of their past. I actually have a right. friend who's a student pastor, baptized four times. Wow. <laughs> Well, okay. But he would say, he would say, those first three times, I did not have a relationship with Christ. Well, here's what's here's what's interesting. Uh, my son Rig, I just tell you, he he is now he's already uh, trusted Christ years ago. The the kid theologically and yeah. intellectually, I'll put him in a Bible trivia contest or a theological oral exam for a PhD. He yeah. could probably out respond PhD student. I'm just telling sure. you, this kid is gifted with the Bible. He's been reading it since he was a kid. I mean, yeah. all, every night. So I believe he knows the Lord, but sure. he is wrestling now with, am I a Christian? Here's what we talked about last night in our D group. He was asking me, Dad, how can I be a Christian if I don't act like it at school? It's a good question to ask. I said, that's a great question. There's a lot of maturity in that question that adults need to be asked. So guess what he tells me? So <laughs> guess what he tells me? He said, I know what I'm going to do. He said, when you take me to Israel next year, which I promised them if they go through the D group for two years yeah. and they're really committed, I'm taking him and his little brother to uh, Israel. Wow. Rig says yesterday, Daddy, I cannot wait for Israel so I can get rebaptized oh, and commit boy. my life. I said, nah, I don't don't think that's gonna work. So just so just to summarize, we encourage people to get baptized when they begin to follow Jesus, uh, regardless of what their past is. However, please do all the effort on the front end to help people understand what salvation and baptism really are. Well, the point we got off on, and we'll take a break, but the point we Pastors. got off on was yes baptism compared to discipleship groups mm-hmm. uh, are two categories. Baptism yeah. is quick, it's present, uh, it's instantaneous, it's tweetable, it's shareable on Instagram. Discipleship groups are not. Messy. It's, yeah, it's messy, it's long, success, it's future time. growth, yeah. it's maturity. At the end of the year, hey, I invest in these four guys, three of them multiplied. That just doesn't make an amazing Twitter uh, post for some people. But it does make an impact on eternity, though. Absolutely. We'll talk more about that after this break. I want to talk about the Replicate Disciple-Making Journal. Is that what it's called? I think it is. The The, Disciples Journal. The Replicate Disciples Journal is even more important. (laughs) The the Replicate Disciple-Making Journal may be something we work on in the future. But the Replicate Disciples Journal, you can pick up. It, It helps you track all of your here journals. You can record all your here journals in it. You can walk through the reading plan. It has both reading plans available. You can also take your sermon notes in there. You can do your daily reset in there. Take your notes for those. You can do your weekly rest in there. And those two acronyms are explained. Basically just allowing you to refocus your day on God after a long day and and some things like that. We won't get into the details of that, but we do want you to pick up your Replicate Disciples Journal if you would like to at replicatejournal.com and begin to take your here journals with that. A great place to store all the information you're taking as you're going through your discipleship group and a great place to look back years later, months later, later, weeks later at what God has done in your life through your discipleship group. And if you're on the YouTube channel, 
and watching if the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube right now, you can see a you sample. You can actually see the actual journal. You can see the actual journal. Now, is this your personal journal? Uh, Have you begun to take your journals in here? No, this is a sample. Okay. This is but a, I, I carry it around so it looks like my personal <laughs> journal. You, know, you look, and, and the cool thing about this Disciples Journal is you look more spiritual if than the kidding. guy sitting next yeah, to you so who look, doesn't have one. Doesn't look like a theologian? Boom, theologian. Holy, unholy? Not a theologian? Holy. holy. Right, yeah. <laughs> Act you can like pick it. that up, replicatejournal.com if you're interested. And we're back talking about the things we should not give up on when it comes up to giving up on the discipleship, as in the three things that keep us or push us to give up on the disciple-making process. Okay. And you talked about pastors and the key leader. The key leader is so crucial because a lot of times in ministry, we, we tend to work, and this is going to sound awful, in spite of our key leader. Mm-hmm. And let me give you an example. Man, this ministry is going great. I'm doing some things in here. Our pastor's not on board. Like He, he wouldn't say no, but he's just not going to get involved in it. He's not passionate about it. He doesn't care as much about it. But we know, man, this is the lifeblood of our ministry. And so we're pushing through and we're trying to make it happen. There are a lot of guys, a lot of ladies serving on church staff right now who, who are thinking, man, our pastor is great at these three things, but he is not great at these things. And so I have to carry the burden of those things. And what you're saying is the pastor has to be somehow connected in, bought in, and connected to the disciple-making process in your church, or it's not going to be as successful. It may not work as effectively. So, yeah, so let's answer this question because I'm thinking of it now. Do you continue making disciples if the pastor is not on board for making disciples in your church? Mm. You're a lay leader. You're a men's director. You're even a staff member. Yeah. Okay? Your pastor has uh, vocally said he's not involved with this. He's not making disciples. Well, he wouldn't say it that way, probably, but he would say we're not going to do it that way. Yeah, well, let's just say. Generally what they would say. Whatever. Take take it to he's just ambivalent to it or he's against it. Right. Will, should you continue making disciples if your pastor is not on board or your pastor is uh, just not engaged or your pastor is against it? Uh, I can give you my answer. Okay, give me your answer. <laughs> you are called by Christ to make disciples, so you personally should always be making disciples. That's what I would regardless say. Regardless of what the strategy is. I would say is. the command of Christ trumps the authority of your pastor. Right. Now, okay. that doesn't mean you go in with the authority of Christ to usurp the authority of your pastor. It may mean, sadly, that you've got to leave that church. That's what I'm getting at. But it also may mean that you just need to be making disciples individually as a person if you can't do it organizationally within your church in the way that you want to do it. So I had a friend call me years ago, uh, about two years ago, and uh, he said he was with me at my first church, Emmanuel Baptist, and he was in the Coast Guard and making disciples, or actually in a discipling relationship with me left. I hadn't heard from him in like six years, Hmm. seven years. Okay. Uh, he calls me uh, about six, about four years ago and says, Hey, God's called me into the ministry out of the blue. They stopped through Chattanooga, met with us. And then I hadn't heard from him again, another four years. He Hmm. calls me, you know, a year, year and a half ago. And he says, I need your help. He said, I'm at a church. He was in the, in the uh, Eastern part of the the state. I think he was in Connecticut or Hmm. or Rhode, Rhode Island. Rhode Island, not Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Rhode Island's really close to Rhode Island. You're probably good. I've never heard of Rhode Island before. I'm sure it's a fun place to go. But anyway, so uh, he's over there, and he's uh, the student, volunteer student pastor. He's taking the students uh, deep in discipleship. They're meeting for breakfast at the Hardee's or McDonald's before school, and the pastor gets wind of it, calls him into the office, and says to him, we do not make disciples here. We reach people who are lost. Cease and desist from making disciples. So, 
Okay, so you're listening, okay? You just got that call yeah. from someone you spent time mentoring and investing in, mm. and they just came back and said, my pastor said, I can't do yeah. this anymore. What do you tell them? I would say, one, you personally keep making disciples. That's what God's called you to do. Two, you have to decide now if you're going to be able to work in a ministry in which the key leader has said you can't do it this way. And if that means you need to leave or if that means you need to stay, I think is 100% based on God's call in your life. Sometimes I believe God places us in a ministry position we're not 100% comfortable with so that we can make an impact there for him. And that's where you've really got to you've got to discern what God is God trying to tell you you need to leave because, because I think that's decision, a good point. Or the, has God got you? There? Yeah, the point is, OK, if I would encourage you if that's your situation and some of you are there, the mm-hmm. pastor's not on board, he doesn't care. There's a difference between not caring and preventing. Yes. Or not engage in preventing. Right, right. So I would go to the pastor and say, hey, I've been challenged. I listen to a podcast. I'm mm-hmm. reading some books and resources. Uh, as one pastor who was in the ministry 52 years, mm. who was passionate about making uh, converts in evangelism, yeah. you know this guy, yeah. who recently came to a discipleship blueprint and mm. said, for 52 years I missed discipleship. It was hidden in plain mm. sight in my Bible. Yeah. <laughs> it was there. <laughs> if he had just, yeah. Just looked at it a little bit differently. But because of the tradition of how we do church yeah. in America, it is very easy to miss it. Okay, I'll prove it to you. Have you ever learned a concept like grace? and yet, Or you ever learned a concept like discipleship and for years or the sovereignty of God? Mm-hmm. And for years you've read your Bible. And then you learn this concept of grace, mm. and then you go back to the Bible, and you see it everywhere. You ever done this before? I'd say yes to all three of those. Sovereignty, okay. grace, and discipleship. And they're all in the Bible, too, <laughs> by the way. So, and I've read that same Bible. What I think is comical about discipleship <laughs> is the word disciple is used in the New Testament 269 times. We're not talking about finding a word that's used one time as an mm. Easter egg in the Bible. <laughs> We're talking about a word that's used in the Gospels 238 times. Hmm. So yes, is it hidden in plain view? Right. Yeah. But here's what I would say: when the pastor is, uh, when the pastor's okay with it, mm-hmm. so you go to him and say, "Hey, I've been challenged to make disciples. Yeah. I'm going to start a discipling group. It's going to mm-hmm. meet at the Hardee's or right. McDonald's or the Christian Nugget, uh, right. Chick Fil A. You know, we're going to go there and eat breakfast and make disciples. I just want you to be aware of that. If he allows you to do that, which he should, yeah. you're fine. But if he says, "I refuse you." I prevent you from yeah, doing this. Do, do not do this under my watch. Then you really need to prayerfully consider yeah. going to a place or a church which allows you to do what God's called yeah. you to do, which is Christ's command well, to and, make disciples. And I would say on the flip side of that, there are pastors who aren't wanting you to stop making disciples, but it, discipleship is not an excuse for you to not be an evangelist, to not be evangelistic. Oh, that's good, yeah, yeah. And so there are also those pastors who are saying, man, I'm fine with you making disciples, but what I've seen is you're not sharing – sharing your faith with those who don't know Christ. Yeah. So it also doesn't need to be a banner you wave of, hey, I'm doing something greater than, because God has called us to reach the lost as well. So it's both of these two things. I've never understood that, though, to be honest. I've never understood the pushback on – it's like we, we don't have two baskets we can ebb and flow in. Mm-hmm. It's like we have to have one or the other. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's either discipleship or evangelism, and then the discipleship crowd gets a bad rap because mm-hmm. they're not evangelistic, and then the evangelistic yeah. crowd gets a – why can't it be both? I just think in like our, why can't it be discipleship and evangelism, which is what it's supposed to be anyway. We are fans of picking a side and rooting for that side until we're done. Really? <laughs> I mean, don't you think? Yeah. Don't can, you think we like? Can you not like one? the Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints? I don't think you can. <laughs> <laughs> I go. think you can, but you're going to like one more than the other. Here we go. I'm just saying that 
I think, our, and that's I'm how just, you are with the cyber. <laughs> we have figured no, out that's the problem. Not true. That's not true. I think I'm just simply saying that one. I don't think the sports uh, illustration is. At, Let me is give you equal, a better one. E- that was that was no, that was unfair. Let me give you a better that was unfair. one. That was Let me give you another one. Arkansas Razorbacks and LSU Tigers. Well, being a very uh, weak fan of Arkansas Razorbacks, but you're really, from really the Arkansas care. area. I am. That's my team. You're from Arkansas. That's my team. So basically, what I tell people, it's a baseball school. Really? <laughs> it do is they, a baseball school. Really? Do it's they have a great good, baseball school. Do they Incredible. really? I haven't even heard of the baseball team. They always do well every year. Okay. If I like baseball, Can I'd be you very like happy. Arkansas and LSU? No. No, can't even do that. Okay. Well, that's our problem. That's the problem with our pastor. They're either evangelists. They're, evangelist. they're wearing the evangelist shirt or the discipleship shirt. <laughs> they're bringing football, college football, into the mix that comes to the way of you. <laughs> that's the problem. Too. Well, I think the pro- I, I think the issue is not necessarily that it's one side or the other. Like I would, n- I don't know that I've ever heard a pastor who's passionate about evangelism say discipleship is bad or wrong. Hmm. But I think it's the way we communicate with how we lead. Is, that trumps the way we talk about it. So, for instance, if you have that leader who's passionate about evangelism, and they're not saying don't make disciples, but they're condescending towards, oh, that's just a bunch of people sitting in a room reading a book. We're not reaching the lost. They're dying and going to hell. Right. And I hear that statement and go, man, well, that's true. I don't want to just sit in a room with a bunch of guys when I know there are people lost and their eternity is at stake. But that's my view of the process. Jesus' view of the process is what he's explained to us in the Great Commission. And the Great Commission does not give us the authority or enable us to ignore completely his strategy of making disciples. Do you think, think about this, I'm thinking about this now. Do you think the reason is um, pastors are elevating one over the other uh, because in their mind they think reaching the loss has sometime, some kind of way trumped investing and equipping the saved don't you think in people's minds that if they if they're rating things to do in the christian life mm -hmm. they would say reaching the lost trumps everything yes now having shallow immature Mm -hmm. christians that that's that's okay and i think that's a misunderstanding of the kingdom boy i'd love to do a whole podcast on it it's a misunderstanding of the kingdom of heaven because and i'll leave you with this this will end with this If evangelism was the only thing Jesus came to do, meaning reach the lost with the message of the gospel, quote unquote, then why in the world did he waste three years investing in 12 men? I think that's the great topic. No, no, think about that. I I, I am thinking about it. I think it's a. You're talking. You hadn't even thought. (laughs) Think about this. I've heard you. If Jesus, if discipleship was, was not a big deal, then why in the world would Jesus, quote, waste his life? investing in 12 guys. I want to say this to people. Listen to this. Jesus's life was as important as Jesus's death. And that's hard for people to wrap Mm. their minds around. Jesus's life was just as important as Jesus's death. What I mean is you need both in the career. He didn't cut. If he if he could have died and that dying was the only thing he did and resurrected, he could have done that at 12 when he was in the temple. His Mm. parents were looking for him. He would have said, Hey, by the way, the reason I'm here and you're gone is I'm Christ. I'm the Messiah. It's and over I'm God. It's on. over. Just yeah. crucify me. I'll rise, rise from dead. It's over. It's a good point. But he didn't do that. So, well, we're going to have to get to the other two uh, alliterative P words, such as people and process, next time in part two of this podcast. Uh, we're going to look at Jesus when he was tempted when he was to tempted. check out. That's right. We're going to look at some scriptural references as we continue with the topic of don't give up on discipleship. As always, if you listen to the podcast, share it with someone. As a matter of fact, pick up your phone right now, text someone the podcast. Say, hey, take a listen. Text them. If you've enjoyed it, and go to Spotify, 
iTunes, wherever it is that you get your Stitcher, podcast. Podbean. St- Podbean. Wow. You heard of Podbean? Pod, I've never heard of Podbean. Yeah, I got Podbean. Podbean, you got yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Anybody well, use Podbean? If you're listening on no. through via Podbean or any other place, just give us a rating right now. You don't have to write up a review. You can just give us five stars or whatever amount of stars you think we've earned. We'd appreciate it. And don't forget to check out our new YouTube channel on YouTube at there's Podbean Searching right for there. <laughs> there is Podbean. I'm right looking there. at the Podbean. Podbean. It's a real Didn't thing. believe me, but there's Can Podbean. confirm it. Yes. Uh, on YouTube, it's Replicate Ministries. And subscribe to the channel. We would appreciate that. And thanks, as always, for joining us today. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.